Hey, this is Rudy Boy Gonzalez here at the Texas Wrestling Academy in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13 to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Live and in Color with Wolfie D. And I got my man Jimmy across the street. Jimmy, what a, what a wild week for wrestling. No doubt, brother. <laughs> uh, by the time this drops, we will have had the Royal Rumble in the books. And yeah. uh, I, I think I'm going to probably watch that. Uh, so maybe next week we could we could talk about it if, if you'd like. Um, sure. Yeah. Had, a, had a passing of uh, Peter R. Miller. Some people might not know him. Uh, he was the Mongolian mauler. He was, man, one of the first guys that I remember, you know, at like 17 being in the ring with and thinking. Yeah. This guy's a pro, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not knocking some of the other people I was in the ring with back then, but uh, he just he he seemed like a pro, you know. I feel like I was yeah. really there with a a real wrestler. Yeah, but, uh, nice guy, man. He's he's different, but he's he's a nice guy. It's so crazy. I'm literally just talking about him with somebody the other day on the phone, yeah. asking them if he would be somebody good for this podcast, and 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 you know. Never got past that, of course, but right, right. I, I just loved his gimmick, his shark eyes. I mean, they they're oh, like the totally cool. black. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, very cool, man. Yeah, very I never cool. got to know him though. But anyway, yeah, rest yeah. in peace for sure, man. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, of course, everybody's talking about this right now. But I mean, Vince has got a little of that freak in him. It sounds like a yeah. little freak. I think it goes a little further than a little freak. I yeah. I just have a and who knows what's going to come out with this stuff, man. But I, I read the text and I just find it so hard to believe that Vince can't spell pussy. That's <laughs> 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 really. That one to me was like, okay, hang on a minute. And then texting like a teenager, you know, with the years, the UR and the, you know, stuff like that. I just, right. I mean, I don't know, man. It just seems awkward to me. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm not taking up for anybody. I'm just saying that right there to me is weird, but it is an official document apparently that's in the case. So I would, right. I would think that they would have, uh, fact checked. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if what, he said, if that's real, it's horrible, right? I mean, oh, yeah. just like you never would think. But, I mean, you got to think that these billionaires are, are people too, right? I mean, you've yeah. seen him. You've been yeah. next to him before. He, yeah. he breathes air. He he bleeds blood, right? I mean, he's, yeah. you know, he's a real human. But at the same time, you would yeah. almost expect a little more decorum from somebody who is yeah, that, you, would. you know? Yeah, you would. But, and man, you know, I've I've heard all the stories. Anybody that's been in the business uh, with any you know capacity, uh, in in the in the big times, or you know, no no people. You know, what I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Right. I've heard all the stories, not just about him, but I mean, wrestlers in general back in the day, and and uh, there's some wild stories, man. And no doubt. No doubt. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah some, some sick shit that I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no doubt. I'm not saying that I don't believe it. I'm just, 
uh, I mean, you would think the man was smarter than that to have have even texted that for somebody to be able to screenshot it. Yeah, seriously, and, that's the thing. You know, like, I, yeah. I mean, I'm always. I mean, you know, I try to be careful who I text anyway. I don't just text yeah. anyone anyway. But still, I'm always like, no, that shouldn't be texted. That's only something I should say <laughs> and pray they're not recording. You know what I mean? Right. And it, it, you know, that's just kind of the scenario. It's like I don't want that to be able to be screenshot and then say, hey, this guy was saying this about this, and it's just you know, some things you should not text. And and yeah, he kind of had somewhat a weird like probably comfort level with the amount of money he was paying her you know he probably thought that money if the alleged money he was paying her we should say yeah. but yeah Vince got that dog in him man <laughs> and, and you would think if you're a you're a billionaire he's like you know he wants all these all the all the holes filled and yeah. then he he then all, he just wants to jerk off at the end. That's kind of anticlimactic, no pun intended. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, wow, yeah, I don't even know, man. <laughs> don't change, don't don't turn us off yet, folks. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> We're gonna get to Rudy Boy Gonzalez here in a minute, and we'll we'll tone down the conversation. But it is yeah. what it is, man. Yeah, well, it is what it is. For sure. It is what, what it is. Well, how are you feeling, man? You doing all right? I'm on the mend, bro. I, uh, you know, every day gets a little bit better. And uh, I mean, yeah. I can walk around with the cane now. Kind of don't have to have the walker, but it's still a little bit. Um, it, it's just safer. <laughs> right. You know? Right. I get daily texts about you, man. Everybody's always asking how you're doing. So very. You what are you telling them? Fuck off. You ask them yourself. <laughs> I should, man, but yeah, they, they you know, people just want to see how you're doing, brother. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah it's good. We had a wedding party for our buddy Rod Hicks, the owner of Collar and Elbow. Yeah, and uh, that was a bit of fun. Cool, good deal. I went home with the bartender. Nice. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> Score. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Did good, good it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, was that something she was hired to do, or was it voluntary? Yeah. Okay. No, she, they asked okay. her to do it. Okay. Cool. Because I was just, I she would have made. It. She did good on tips. So good for her, man. Good for her. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And can you know? Congratulations, Rod and his fiance. Hope y'all yep. have a happy future Lots. together. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, I don't uh, think they'll be hurting much. He does really well with collar and elbow, and she's a doctor. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, that's a good pairing, man. Right. Yeah, they'll be all right. Good for them, man. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you're getting out and about and, you know, showing your face to people and stuff. That's yeah. good. So. But we got a cool show today, man. Rudy Boy Gonzalez. I don't know him, but I've mm -hmm. read so much about him and heard his name over the years, man. It's it's uh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, gonna be cool. I met him uh, down in Texas uh, once, I believe, and uh, we'll clarify that when he gets on here. But yeah, man. So let's all get right, to it. sounds good, brother. We'll be right back after these messages with Rudy Boy Gonzalez. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey folks, to get your official Live It In Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live It In Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. All right, folks, we are back. And Jimmy got another really good guest. He's got some really good time in this business, and I'm sure he's got some really good stories for us today. I'm stoked. I am, man. Really? I am stoked. Yeah. <laughs> you picked that word up from the 90s or what? Yeah, I brought it with me. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I went back in time and got it. And yeah. It's back. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's let's stoke it up, man. And then <laughs> our next guest is Rudy Boy Gonzalez. How you doing, my friend? Um, I'm I'm doing good. I'm I'm uh, you stoked. stoked. <laughs> yeah, we're all stoked, man. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, it's a good word. Come on, <laughs> it is a good word. So, Rudy, I was trying to think about this, and I think me and you may have uh, talked on Facebook uh, Messenger about this some years ago. But so I came down, and I don't remember. I think it was either '97 or '98. I know Paul Diamond was down there. I think he was doing some training i don't know if you were there i I really don't remember uh but i came down sean had me come down and do like a little guest training thing and then i worked uh paul uh on the show that night and uh oh god paul wanted me to jump out of that balcony through two tables and uh, we ended up doing it and the tables like gashed my shins really bad (laughs) that's what i remember about being down there i I remember (laughs) it was uh, it was actually 99. Sean started okay. school in, uh, yeah, in April of 99. And um, so, a funny story. So, um, he started school in, in April of 99 or so. And um, mm-hmm. so, we had the students coming in. And at the same time, he was doing shows with all the local, uh, quote, unquote, veteran guys. Yeah. And uh, everything was cool. You know, Sean wasn't really familiar with the independent scene. He, you know, the last time he worked at this, you know, at this level was with, I guess, AWA and all that. And that really yeah. wasn't independent wrestling. So, so when Sean came in, man, he, it was like a house on fire, man. He, we, we ran like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, and, uh, the, 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 the houses were good. I mean, they weren't incredible or anything, but they were good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and, and then Sean had his dad running everything, uh, you know, the payroll stuff. So, uh-huh. uh, Monday we, I got a check for 800 bucks uh-huh. and I was like, Holy cow, this is, this is, you know, this is great. So <laughs> it took a couple of shows before, uh, a couple of weeks before Sean realized that 
he was overpaying us. Nobody yeah. said anything, but you know, of course like, not. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been better than we expected. <laughs> like, like I called one of the guys. I'm like, hey man, my check was 800. What'd you get? And he's like, I got 800 too. I was like, holy uh, shit! And they know they're like, hey, pay though, just hey, yeah. I'm like, oh, I say, yeah. No <laughs> so, um, but like I said, it wasn't. But it wasn't like a couple weeks later till till. Uh, you know, we got our next check. We did like a Friday and sa- a Saturday and Sunday, and mm-hmm. you know, got like a hundred bucks. So I was like, man. <laughs> so he figured out and whatever. So then, then the older guys, then the guys started like complaining about their pay and you know who's going yeah. over, who's not going over, and all this other stuff. And so now we're like into um, uh, April, May. Now we're into probably June and mm-hmm. uh, of '99. And me and Sean, you know, it was me. It was me, Sean. Jose Lothario and Ken Johnson. We were the trainers mm-hmm. and from the get go, Sean and Jose had a fallout. And so mm-hmm. Jose was gone. So then it was me and Ken Johnson. And then Paul diamond uh, showed up, but Paul diamond's job actually was to book the towns and, uh-huh. and help with training. And so, um, Paul did a lot of, he, he came in on occasion to help out and stuff, yeah. uh, but the towns he was booking were the same towns that we we're running anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, Guys started complaining about, you know, their paying and whatever. And, uh, and then guys started complaining about, uh, who, you know, how come he's going over brother, you know, that type of stuff. Oh God. <laughs> and, and so one day me and Sean were talking, he's like, I think I'm just going to shut it down. And I'm mm. like, dude, we're, we're, we're like four months in. What are you talking about? Mm. And he was like, man, these guys are complaining, you know, where the fuck has this guy ever been? Where has he ever been? What has he ever done? Blah, blah. blah. And so we had just got through training this on this, on the certain day. And, mm. um, I said, you know what? Give me a couple of weeks. And he was like, why? I said, get, don't, don't shut nothing down. Don't please don't shut nothing down. Uh, <laughs> because I, I had quit. I had a regular job before Sean yeah. showed up and I was making good money. And I quit that job to do uh, this. Yeah. And, um, so I'm like, don't shut nothing down. Just give me a couple of weeks. So, uh, we had a show coming up and about four days before that show, uh, I, I gave Sean the lineup and it was all the students. There's like mm-hmm. a couple of those, like still like you know, a couple of older guys, but yeah. the majority students. And Sean was mm-hmm. like, "What's this?" I said, "That's <laughs> the new, uh, that's the new card. That's the new crew." Yeah. And he was like, "What about this guy? What about that guy? What about this guy?" I said, "You, you yourself said that you were tired of him complaining about, you know." And these were the guys that were complaining about going over and not getting enough pay and what. Right. Yeah, that, that's what I, so I said, "So they're gone." Mm-hmm. And um, so I got a lot, you know. At first, guys thought it was Sean's, you know, that was cutting them loose, but it was actually me. So I ended up getting a lot of heat for that, which, which is fine. I I saved my job. So, right. um, <laughs> when you finally when you came, we had just started doing TV, and I think you guys were the first TV show we did. Oh, and, yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, Sean said, uh, you know, I got Wolfie D, and and when he said Wolfie D, man, all those kids, man, they're like. Oh my God, uh, ECW, uh, you know, everybody popped and stuff. And, and, um, so then you showed up and yeah, you did like a little clinic or whatever, you know, trying to get kids and stuff. And yeah. then, um, y'all did your deal. And, and I told Sean from the get go, man, I'm like, this doesn't look good because the way, you know, it was, it was a two story venue yeah. and, and, uh, the setup was, um, you got Paul, you, you sat, you guys stacked up two tables on top of each other. Yeah. And then I don't remember how you did it, but you got Paul on the top table. Right. And then, 
and then you went around the side. You had to go up some stairs and stuff, so it took a little bit. Yeah. And then you had to climb over like a guardrail. <laughs> yes. And, and, and then you did the leg drop. <laughs> and, so, and so then when uh when you did your leg drop, you came at an angle. And I remember like yesterday, man, you came from <laughs> an angle. It's uh, kind of like an angle, so it kind of like shifted the table, which slid off the bottom table, but it still yeah. broke. Yeah, and so at the end of the day, it was like a catastrophe. But I remember you get up, and your leg was just like blood. Yeah, and and the students were like, "Oh shit!" You know, and the whole place was like, "Holy shit! Holy shit!" But, but man, you still you still finished. You got up and walked off and did whatever you guys did and stuff. And yeah. and um, you know, from where I was at, like like the area where, where me and Sean were watching. Well, Sean was actually at the at the table. But from mm. where we were at, the dressing area was like a third balcony, a third story, uh, like a little office area. And yeah. from where I was at, it it looked bad, but when you walked in the dressing room, I mean, it was bad. <laughs> and I was like, holy, what <laughs> the fuck happened? I mean, it, we saw what happened, but it was still like, what happened? And uh, after the show, you know, the, there's a stack of tables, man, you know, two tables, but I mean, they were mangled and broken, you know, uh, <laughs> particle board and what a mess. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That was like yesterday. You know what's funny, man? <laughs> I'm going to tell myself here. Um, when I did the um, the little clinic or whatever, the night before, I'd stayed at Paul's house. And, uh, you know, back in those days, the, the Soma gimmick was a thing. And, and I had done some of those, and it was like leftover. It wasn't like I had done it and then walked in the building. It's like it was leftover from the night before, and I'm trying to talk to these guys. And I couldn't talk good. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen that before, where the Soma thing yeah. kicks in. And I'm trying to talk to these guys and teach them. I'm like, my tongue weighed a thousand pounds. I just remember that. Like, God, I know these guys think I'm an idiot. <laughs> Rudy, how long have you known Sean? When did you first so, meet Sean? Yeah. So back in, um, I want to say, eight, I started in 82. So I guess back in like 83, Sean okay. and uh, Jose Lothario. Jose Lothario, they were... What, 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 the way Sean ran the school was the way Jose ran his deal years ago was Jose was outside the ring. Sean was outside the ring and Sean was outside the ring calling out stuff because he had just gotten over his back surgery. Yeah. So he couldn't really do a whole lot. So Jose was outside the ring. And then this guy, Ken Johnson was actually in the ring with Sean doing all the bumps and all the stuff, whatever. And so my first interaction with Sean was we were going on the road one day and I was supposed to, pick up Ken from wherever they were training at. And, uh, so I go and I'm, you know, they're still in the middle of training and I'm watching and, and, um, I guess Sean was 18 or so, 19, maybe very athletic. He did a, you know, a backflip for whatever reason off the top rope and, and, you know, doing some cool stuff or whatever. And, uh, I remember driving with Ken and I'm like, who's that kid you're with? And he was like, ah, some guy named Sean, they can uh, just some jabroni fucking kid. <laughs> and, uh, I, and I was like, all right, not too bad. He's like, ah, fuck yeah, right, 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 right. You know, and, and, you know, and then a few months later, um, he ended up at Mid South. And, um, but that, I, I, you know, and, and, that, and then when I went to go pick up Ken that day, it was just like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I shook hands, and that was it. Um, and then, uh, a, uh, Joe Blanchard was a promoter down here with Southwest Wrestling, and he sold the company to a guy named Fred Barron, who's a whole. I'm I'm surprised he hasn't 
popped up on Dark Side of the Ring yet, but oh, gave him, yeah. And so, so he brought Sean in to to pop the the you know, the, the territory, I guess you could say, because he was a local guy. Mm. And um, so I never worked with him then, but I mean, we you know we shared the dressing room stuff and talked. And Sean went to a, a small high school here in San Antonio. I went to another you know small high school. I don't. We were trying to figure out dates and years and stuff, but I don't think we ever played football against each other. But mm. um, and then that was it. I mean, we weren't friends or nothing. We were, you know, just, you know, one of the boys. Yeah. And then, um, and then years later when he started working for Vince, uh, I got called in to do extra work, you know, uh, stuff like that. And I'd see him in the, in the hallways and catering. Hey, what's up? You know, shake hands and stuff. And then, um, uh, that was like the you know early nineties or so. And, um, so late, well, 98, um, I had, you know, now I have a fallout with Jose Lothario and I quit the business. I mean, I walked out of a show. Mm -hmm. I got a shitty payday. I walked out of the show and, you know, I was done with wrestling. F this. I can't stand this shit no more. I'm tired of it. I'm tired, blah, 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 (laughs) blah, whatever. I got a job at a warehouse making at that, you know, in 98, 14 bucks an hour, which was big money. And, um, you know, 12 hour days and shit like that. But I hated it. And, um, so coincidentally the same week that i had that issue with jose like that was a saturday night when uh yeah two when two wednesday or tuesday afternoon i just i i did my application at the warehouse i got home i got uh hired i had to go take my drug test tuesday and then yeah it was tuesday and then and then when i got home i was sitting on the couch and waiting for my results and the phone rings i answer it and it's uh it is rudy and i'm like yes this is Sean. And I'm like, Sean, who? Sean Michaels. Not hard. Great kid. <laughs> and I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was one of the guys ribbing me. Yeah. And this part, this is a true story, man. This is. And so I'm like, who? And goes, uh, Sean. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Click. And I hung up. <laughs> and so, so then uh, phone rings, phone rings again. Hello, Rudy. Yeah, it is Sean. Who the fuck is this? Sean. Sean who? Sean Michaels. Man, go fuck yourself. Click, hang up again. I did this, I did this four times. Oh my and God. he kept calling back. And then the fourth time he says, don't hang up. I'm like, well, who is this? He goes, it's Sean. I said, Sean who? And we'll do the same routine again. Sean Michaels, okay, okay. All right, what do you want? And he said, uh, what are you doing Friday night? So Jose Lothario had a, a show he did every Friday night, and I was on those shows. So mm-hmm. now I know it's a rib. This is a Sean that I'm talking to because he's asking me about this. If I'm going to do anything Friday night, and I'm assuming he wants me to go work. So mm-hmm. he's like, "What are you doing Friday night?" I'm like, "Nothing." He goes, "Can you go to the? Can you go to Jose's show so we can talk?" And I'm like, "I'm not working." And he goes, "I'm not asking to work." He goes, "I want to talk." I'm like, "Who the fuck is this?" <laughs> and I, I kept trying to like, "Is it this guy? Is it that guy?" I'm trying to, and like, "I'll just meet you there at eight o'clock." And I was like, "Fuck." <laughs> All right, yeah, sure, no problem. So I show up to the building at seven thirty, seven forty-five or so, and Jose's Lothario is sitting there, and he's like, ah, "You're looking to work?" And I'm like, "Nope." And he goes, uh, "You came to see, you know, whoever?" And I'm like, "Nope." He goes, "What are you here for?" I said, "I came to see Sean." And he goes, "Yeah, right." Ha 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 ha. And I was like, uh, "I am." And he's like, "Okay, well, whatever." And he just blows me off, and so I go and. And sit down. So eight o'clock comes. Match has already started. We're in a second match. 
And um, so I'm like, you know, it's 8.05 now, and I'm like, somebody just fucking ribbed me, man. God damn it. And I don't <laughs> So I'm trying to figure out a, a time when there, the shit's going on in the ring and everyone's attention is on the ring and I can slip out the door and nobody will notice. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching the matches. I'm watching matches. It's like eight, 10 or something. And then the whole, there's a probably there's probably about a hundred people there. The yeah. whole place just like rushed the door. <sighs> and I was like, what the fuck? I thought there was a fire or something. I look at the door. And so, there's a lot of, you know, there's a, it's in a Hispanic area. So there's a lot of five, eight, five, nine, five, eight people standing around. Yeah. And then there's Sean's blonde head, you know, white head sticking up over everybody. And mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit. You know, maybe, maybe that was Sean that called me. Yeah. And so he walks by me with this crowd and they walk by and he doesn't acknowledge me or anything. So I'm like, ah, I got ripped. Son of a bitch. So I'm figuring while everybody's getting back to their seats, I'm going to walk to the, to the door and leave. Mm. And, uh, right when, right when I was getting ready to get up, I feel him, I feel someone grab my shoulder and I look up and it's Sean. He goes, I'll be right back. And I was like, what the fuck? So he goes to the back <laughs> a couple minutes later, he sits down next to me and he said, um, I'm opening the wrestling school. And I'm like, all right. He goes, I got to do surgery. I got back surgery coming up and whatever. And he gives me the story and stuff. Mm-hmm. He says, I want you to be one of my trainers. And I was like, seriously? He says, would, would you mind? And I was like, uh, uh, I, I, you know, what can you, what are you going to say? I mean, in my <laughs> right. opinion, right. At, at that point, Sean was like considered, you know, and he still is, but he was considered like one of the greatest workers in the world and all that stuff. Yeah. And so I'm like, ah, this guy has asked me to be a trainer at a school. So I'm like, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, when do you, when do you plan on starting? And I think he said, he, he said like, I'm, I'm getting surgery in January and I should be able to walk around and stuff. So we're looking at probably April. And, uh, I was like, sure. You know? Yeah. Okay. And so that's where, you know, that's where we're at. We, we started the school in April of, of 99. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. What's the? Do you still? I don't, I don't think he has anything to do with it anymore, does he? Do y'all still have a good relationship? Who, me and Sean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, he's brought me, and I'm not gonna lie to nobody. I'm not gonna. Sean's brought me into the Performance Center four times to to uh, as a guest trainer. Right. And nice. Um, nice. you know, and I, I I say I say that, but you know, um, my name's popped up, and I know it's not because. You know, hey, let's call Rudy Gonzalez. He was a great jobber back in the nineties. I know Sean. <laughs> has to live with it, you know, right, right. And, and I, I, I ran his school for him, and I was always uh, loyal. And I was, you know, I, I never missed a day of training. I never asked anything yeah. from him. So I know, I know he had. I don't know this for a fact, but I, 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 I kind of, if I was a betting man, I'm sure he has some kind of something, you know, something to have me, that has to do with me going over there. I've yeah. been there four times. Yeah. And, uh, we talk and, and, um, he's always, you know, even, even back, you know, even back then when all the rumors of Sean's an asshole and all of that other stuff, Sean was always very cool with me, man. I, you know, yeah. aside from my first year or two of, of being in the wrestling business, mm-hmm. the two years that I spent working with him at a school, Mm-hmm. Those are like the two best years of my career, man. I mean, I, I working with the kids, working with Sean. I mean, and it wasn't rainbows and all that shit every day. I mean, we bumped heads on stuff, yeah. but 
you know, uh, I mean, and everybody, and then any relationship will. But I mean, yeah. I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed yeah. it. And on holidays, I'll message him, hey, happy birthday or happy Merry Christmas or, you know, I mean, we keep in touch. You know, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And and I know what you mean about, you know, people say he's a dick and all this kind of stuff. And I, I actually, me and him had a little, little, not a fight, but uh, it could have it could have turned into one real quick at the hotel room one time. And but then after that, I, I've also told the story when me and Jamie uh, got let go and they had us go out and do the squash with the Road Warriors. Uh, we had actually we were actually not going to do it. Uh, we were going to leave um, and everything. And him, Sean. And, and Jim Ross uh, came out to the car. Don't leave. Come in and do business. Please come in. And, do and Sean was the one that said, listen, you guys come back in and do this. We'll get you paid for the next month. And you ain't got to go nowhere. Just do this and I'll get you paid. And he did. So uh, and then and then after that, you know, it was it was probably more uh, Paul. But I mean, it was uh you know Sean's place and had me come down and do that thing. So, you know, he, he was nice to me, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and you know, I mean, you have any kind of, uh, and I told my students this also, you have any kind of longevity in this business, you're going to bump heads, you're going to have issues, there's going to be, but at the end of the day, man, you know, you're going to shake hands and blow it off and yeah. move on, you know? Yeah, that's for just, sure. That's part of the deal, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Hot tag, Jimmy. All right, coming in with the hot tag. So, okay, you started out in Southwest for Joe Blanchard, is that true? Yes, sir. Man, that's cool, dude. You know, that's a territory, right? That's one of those territories that they talk about. I've heard Joe was a great person from people I've talked to and we've talked to. How, how did you feel about your start there? So, okay, so 1982, um, back back then, you didn't get into wrestling business unless you were related to somebody right. or you knew somebody, and I didn't know anybody. And I wasn't even, honestly, I wasn't even a wrestling fan. My dad, you know, I, I tell, I, I tell my, my students the story all the time. They, my dad took me to two wrestling shows when I was younger, and I just wasn't interested. Uh, I saw Bastine, I saw Wahoo, I saw, uh, who else was there? Thunderbolt Patterson, you know, yeah. old guys. That meant absolutely nothing to me when I was 10 years old. Today, Oh my God, I saw Wahoo McDaniel. Oh my God, I saw Thunderbolt. Oh my God, I saw this. Oh my God. You know, yeah, but yeah. I wasn't a wrestling fan. So, uh, but my high school football coach coached a semi pro football team here in San Antonio, and one of his players was Ivan Putsky. His name was Joe, his real name is Joe Bonarski. Uh, another, right, right. another, another of his players, I think, who's like a defensive end, was Frank Goodish. Oh, yeah. So, Heard about that. So, guy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so, uh, and, and so, uh, and a couple of, a couple of other players were like the local, you know, local wrestlers here. Um, so during my Christmas break, my football coach said, you know, what are you going to do for, cause I, I had, I had a two year scholarship to play football in college. And so during the Christmas break, uh, I talked to my coach and he was like, what are you doing to stay in shape? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. And, um, because like back then, there wasn't like, like now there's like 55 planet fitnesses and there's uh, four goals gyms around Santa, you know, stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. back then it wasn't like that. So, um, he said, go to this place. They're starting a wrestling school and, um, just train. I'm not telling you. And and I remember this like yesterday again, he goes, I'm not telling you to be a pro wrestler. I'm just telling you to go train with those guys because some of them, those wrestlers are ex football players, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I was like, all right. So, 
um, I went to Joe's office and there was a lady at the front desk and she was like, can I help you? It was a Saturday morning. It was January 2nd, 1982. Uh And, uh, she's like, can I help you? I said, yeah, I came to see Joe Blanchard. And, uh, she's like, what's it for? And I said, it's for, uh, training. And she said, are you joining the wrestling school? And I was like, uh, no. Uh, well, I think I am. She says, okay, it's $2,500. You have your check. It's going to be cash or check. And I'm like, it's going to be nothing. I was, I was told it wasn't going to be anything. Uh, She she said, well, who told you that? And I said, my football coach. And, um, so she said, she said, well, who's your football coach? I said, his name is George Pasterchek. And then, so like the way the office was, there was a front office and there was a couple of offices in the back. So I hear from the back, I hear this, you know, how's big George doing? And, uh, and I'm like, he's doing, he's doing good. Come on back here. So I go, she goes, okay, go to that office and go to this office. And I go to the back and there's, there's Joe Blanchard sitting there. And, um, so he said, uh, you played football for George. I said, yeah. And so we talked for a little bit about how he was as a coach and all that stuff. And, you know, and he says, well, he goes, since you're only going to be here for a couple of weeks, just go ahead and go and, you can you can jump in, but make sure you go back to school though. And I said, all right. So um, the guy that was training all that, you know, doing all the training stuff was Larry Lane. But Manny Fernandez would come in uh, a couple of days here and there. Chavo came in, Telly came in, Gino came in. Uh, the guys would stop by, you know, and just help out with doing. And all we did was takedowns and 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 a bunch of cardio stuff. It was just one of those, it was a wrestling school, but it was one of those blow up deals. I mean, it was, yeah. you just did a bunch of squats, pushing stuff. So, um, I was supposed to go back to school on that Sunday. Um, but on Thursday, on Wednesday, uh, this guy who was a, the ring, the ring crew guy, he comes in, his name, his name was Juan Reynoso. And he says, Rudy Gonzalez here. And, and so I raised my hand. I was like, so I'm gonna get my ass beat for some reason. <laughs> and it was, Joe wants to know if you want to help with the ring tomorrow. And I said, sure. What do I got to do? And he says, uh, meet me here at 10 o'clock. So uh, meet me here at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. So I show up the next day, 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, he tightens everything down in the trailer. And then we drive to Corpus Christi, Texas, do a show. I was in charge of standing by this back door to make sure nobody snuck into the back. Uh, but from where I was sitting, uh, like there was a quarter that went around the building and then there was a main area. And from where I was sitting, there was like a little hallway where you go to the, to the bleachers or whatever. And mm-hmm. it was, I, I saw, I had a perfect view of the ring. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there watching the back door and like, I think Tiger Conway wrestled against somebody. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember who else was on the card, but I do remember the main event was Tully Blanchard against Wahoo McDaniel. Mm-hmm. And Man. all I see is the ring but I can hear the crowd. Ooh, ah, ah, ooh, oh, ah, yay, boo. You know, that type of stuff. Yeah. There was yeah. no, there was no, you fucked up, you fucked up. <laughs> right, there, right. There, there was no, this is wrestling, clap, clap, yeah. clap. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Wahoo and Kelly were beating the shit out of each other. I mean, yeah. knowing, and knowing what I know now, they were beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. So, um, for some reason, man, that, that caught my attention. And, um, so then the night was over, we took the ring down, we got back to San Antonio and then Juan gave me $75. And I said, what's this for? He says, that's for helping with the ring. Joe said, thank you. And, uh, eight night again, 1982, 75 bucks. That could have been 300 bucks. 
Right. To an 18 year old kid, man, that was yeah. like, holy shit. So he says, do you want to help tomorrow also? So I said, yeah, 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 sure. So oh, yeah. next day, help with the ring, take it up, put it, you know, drive to the town, set it up, tore it down. Um, another 35 bucks. Mm-hmm. Saturday night, the same thing. Took went, uh, went to Austin, Texas, took the ring, set it up, tear it down, another 75 bucks. Uh, we were getting in so late. I didn't have to, and I had to be at the building, the office. So we're in, you know, early in the morning, I didn't have time to go to the stores and spend that money. So say five, 75, 75. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, by, by, by Sunday I had, you know, a little over $200. Yeah. So, and again, 1982, 18 yeah. year old kid, that's a shitload of money. So yeah. Yeah. then I start thinking, ah, I'm never going to make it in the NFL. <laughs> You know, I'm yeah. five eight, hundred and seventy pounds. <laughs> uh, let's see. And I really didn't want to get. I didn't want to be a pro wrestler either. I, I, but I saw Joe, you know, walking around and doing whatever he was doing and stuff. And yeah. I'm gonna learn this. Business. I'm gonna learn this business. Uh-huh. So Joe knew that I was supposed to go back to school on that Sunday. Uh, but Monday, I come walking in the office, mm-hmm. and the first thing he said was, "What are you doing here?" And I said, "Can we talk?" And he said, sure. So uh, he had his desk and there was a sofa right next to his desk. And he said, how can I help you? And I said, I want to learn the wrestling business. And he said, um, what do you mean? <laughs> and like Joe, you know, Joe was always nice to me and stuff. And, and, uh, but all of a sudden his voice got very stern and very cold. I mean, his, mm. his, his tone changed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, what do you mean? And I said, I, I, I see you walking around. And, and, and really what caught my attention was one night he was at the ticket office. And I had to go ask him a question. And he opens up this Halliburton suitcase or whatever. Yeah. And it's loaded. It's loaded with cash. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know how much money, but I mean, stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. And, um. <laughs> So I said, and I, so in the office, I told him, I said, I want to learn dressing business. I saw that you can make money doing this. And, um, and he just like stopped me in mid sentence. And he was like, Rudy, you don't want to get into wrestling business. <laughs> and I was like, okay. He says, you're going to starve. Mm. You're going to, uh, he went through his whole list of the gloom and doom of, of, of wrestling. And he wasn't wrong. I mean, you're going right. to starve. You're not having yeah. a relationship going to sleep in your car. You're going to be poor. You're not, you know, you're going to miss birthdays. You're going to miss anniversaries. You're going to miss, yeah. you know, you're not going to have a family, this whole, and I was just like listening to him. And he, and then he said, is that what you want? And I said, yeah, hmm. not unsure though, but I said, yeah, right. <laughs> he, he stared at me for what could, what could have been like, I don't know, an hour, but it was like only maybe a couple of seconds. And he opened <laughs> up his desk, got a set of keys, threw them at me, go, go mop up the building. And hmm. so like it was the office. And then right next to the office was like where we did our TV show, where we did our TV show and um, the train and stuff. And so nobody had cleaned it up from the last TV, sh- from the last tapings. Hmm. And so it still smelled like beer and hot dogs and, you know, popcorn <laughs> and shit. And, and, uh, and we even trained it there during the week and stuff. So it still smelled and stuff. So I had to go in there and, and mop the place up. Oof. And, um, uh, that's how I started. Damn. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So my connection- See, I'm glad that I got in the way I did, which I'm not going to lie. It was a little bit, you know, kind of easy. Um, you know, I didn't do much of setting up rings and mopping floors and uh, blow up drills and all that kind of stuff, man. And honestly, I just say at, you know, 15, 16 years old, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it had I have been introduced in that fashion. You know, not that I didn't really love wrestling and everything, but I just don't know <laughs> if that would have run 16-year-old me off. You know what I mean? <laughs> my, my thing my thing was, um, like, I'm not going to lie, and, I, and, I, and I've, I've said this before also, my thing was I wasn't going to, because once, once my dad, you know, after a week or so, my dad was like, when, when did you go back to school? And so I was like, um, remember, remember years ago, you took me to those wrestling matches and, you know, uh, well now I'm in the wrestling business. And so my dad kicked me out. Oh man. Mm. And he kicked me out. So, um, you know, whatever, you know, it was doing that. Lie. They're, they're, yeah, ex- exactly. They were, so like, I wasn't, I'm not the guy. Like my girlfriend, Michael, tell you the same thing. I'm not the guy to say I'm sorry. I'm yeah. not. You know, I'm not going to pause. So uh, I wasn't going to go back to my dad and say, you know, I fucked up, Dad. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. You know, I was. I was. Gonna, I needed to make this work. Yeah, I yeah. needed to make it work. So I mean, I. I mean, everything Joe Blander said. I slept in my car. I starved. <laughs> uh, I went through a lot of bullshit. But I figured if I work hard enough, you know, hopefully. You know, Joe and whoever, you know, Joe Blanche would see this and mm. pay a little bit more money and give me a raise here and there. And, and he did. Joe was Joe, so the original question was, how was Joe? Joe was a great guy, man. He was uh, it, it, you talk to guys like Magnum, like Manny, like anyone that worked for him back. Hacksaw Duggan. No mm-hmm. one will have a negative word to say about him. I mean, Joe was <laughs> fair. He was a straight shooter. He was helpful. He was. I mean, uh, he saw that I worked. I mean, I would show up and just helpful t-shirts. Or I mean, I did whatever I could to get noticed, yeah. to get a spot. And and um, one day I got, I, you know, he said, "This is for you," and he gave me a check for 150 bucks, and that's for the whole week. And mm. um, that was like helping with the ring, and you know, and and uh, I was like, "What happened to those 75 dollars?" But he was paying me that for, <laughs> to help me out with school. But now I'm becoming. Now I'm on payroll, so the pay wasn't quite so big. But I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, it was a start, though. You know, and right, and, uh, right. I and 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 so the you know part of it was the reason why I went through a lot of that shit was they were trying to you know I no one ever said it, but I am I'm imagined they were trying to run me off, mm. and I wasn't going to leave, man. I was not going to leave. Yeah, yeah, so, man, that's awesome. <clears throat> Me leaving, going back, like I said, would have meant I had to tell my dad, "Hey, I'm sorry." You know, and, uh, yeah. I made a mistake. You know, and that wasn't going to happen. And it wasn't that I don't love my parents or anything. It's just that I needed to prove a point. You know, I needed to, you know, I needed to, to make this. I needed to make this work. Yeah, right. of course. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope-ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're going to want to call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, BowieHomes.com. That's B-U-I-E Homes.com. Or you can email him at BenBowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. Support for Live and in Color with Wolfie D is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WOLFIE at manscaped.com. If my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. Well, you know, you did make it work, and you were working pretty steady there. And then in 1991, you're WCW, and at the event called wrestle war you work who is considered one of the greatest of all time as well unfortunately no longer with us but eddie guerrero man talk about that so um so okay so we go back to joe blanchard so uh joe was i think he got the job through telly but joe was an event coordinator for wcw okay and so what that meant was he had to you know he had he helped with the events making sure tickets were being sold and advertising and all that stuff. And so they also gave him the ring to be in charge of. And so Joe did all WCW events west of the Mississippi, from Louisiana on west. Yeah. So the only problem was Joe was, was handicapped. He had a bad hip, and it was, it was hard for him to do the ring by himself. Yeah. Sometimes he would show up to the venues and he'd get help, but a lot of times he didn't. Mm. So... And during the time where he shut the promotion down to now, uh, which was 1990, actually, um, you know, we kept in touch. I called him at least once a week or I'd go to the house and we just sit and talk. And, and I mean, I, I, I developed a relationship with Joe Blanchard. I loved the man. I mean, he, he, he was very good to me. I've got nothing negative to say about him. So yeah. I get a call and, uh, I need help with the ring. Can, would you, you know, are you working right now? And I'm like, uh, at the time, I was going to Mexico when I was doing the the, the enhancement spots for W for WWF at the time, mm-hmm. and I said no. I said, "What do you What do you need?" And he says, "I, I got to go to Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Can you help me with the ring?" And uh, I said, "Sure." So I showed up to his house. The ring's in a U-Haul truck. We drive to Tahlequah, and and uh, I set the ring up by myself. You just sit down, Mister Blanchard. I got it. 
no, no, no. I'll say no, no. I'll I'll take care. And so I put the ring up. Joe put in a good word for me, and I got hired by WCW. Mm. Gotcha. And okay. So, yeah. yeah, and so uh, I was putting up the ring. Somebody who didn't show up or whatever, something happened, and so they needed a referee. Joe said Rudy can referee, and Kevin Sullivan was booking, and he was the road agent, and he said, um, "All right, you're refereeing." So I got to referee some shows. I've got to wrestle some shows and I got, you know, I was in charge of the ring. So I was getting pretty good little paydays for, for those WCW events. Yeah. And then, and then somewhere in there, someone said, we want to start doing Lucha shows. We want to start doing Lucha matches. Hmm. And, uh, so Joe asked me, do you know anybody in Mexico? And all those guys were tied up with AAA and EMLL. It wasn't CML yet anymore. It was yet. It was EMLL and everybody mm-hmm. was under contract and stuff. So I called up Conan and I said, I need, I need four guys. I need three guys for a, a show in, in a Phoenix, New Ma- uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so Conan, Conan said here, he goes, uh, you know, you know, Chavo girl said, yes. He goes, see if Eddie's able to, to do this. And, and then he gave me a couple other guys. Uh, one of the guys was, um, uh, El Huicho and he ended up later on becoming Damien six, 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 uh, or maybe that's Ultraman. It was one of those guys. Anyway. So, <laughs> We did that deal, and that was paid for um, by the local Telemundo Azteca Mexican TV station in yeah. in Phoenix, and um, it was a lucha match, and the fans loved it. But when we went to the back, I think the I think the first guy that that we came across was was Brian Pillman, and uh, Brian was like, you know, what the fuck was that bullshit, you know, and. And some of the guys in the back didn't like it, man. They, you know, we didn't, there wasn't a whole lot. It's Lucha Libre wrestling. So there wasn't really a whole lot of selling. It was all, you know, what you see now, but this was like (laughs) in the early nineties. So that wasn't really accepted quite as, as much. So, you know, some of Mike Graham loved it. Um, Dusty said it was a good match. Um, trying to think of who else. I mean, there were, there were a few guys that were like, yeah, it's bullshit, you know? And, (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) you know, but we just, but that's what they wanted was a Lucha match. Yeah. Right. Right. It was a, it was a dark match. It wasn't on TV. I've tried looking for it. I've tried contacting different people. If anyone has a copy of it and then, and, um, and nobody does. And, and so, um, that was that they, they, uh, they squashed the Lucha idea, but a few years later, uh, yeah. they started coming up with the cruiserweight group, group right. stuff and, right. you know, I was going to say, was there a we link got, in we that? Got, we got I mean, paid well. What was that? I was just going to say, were you the link in that connection? I mean, it seems like there might've no, been something I think, there. I think Conan was, I mean, he, I mean, I, I contact Conan's a you know, he has a connection with everybody, but I, the way I got the guys was through Conan. And, um, I don't know for, for sure, but I think Mike today wasn't with the, with WCW when I was there. Okay. And I think he yeah. went later and I think it was his idea to just try the Lucha stuff, whatever. And, um, and they got a hold of Conan. Gotcha. Okay. That's cool. I know. Oh, I remember Jamie and I in the early nineties, he had a uh, satellite, which not everybody had satellite back then. We're talking like 91, 92. And we would watch the uh, triple a on his satellite. And it was, he, I remember him telling me, man, you got to see this shit, man. This shit's crazy, man. <laughs> and, uh, so we was watching Ray Mysterio and all these dudes doing all these, you know, flips and all the mess, man. And it was, 
it was cool as shit to watch it, you know, and, and I'm one that, you know, kind of like you, I wish they'd slow down a little bit now, but as a younger kid watching it and hadn't seen that style before, it was like, wow, this is pretty fucking impressive, man. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, I went down to Mexico, uh, and I was there for three years and, um, you know, in the beginning, one of my, one of my problems, the guys would tell me was, I just took too much time on the bumps and I need to get up faster and I need to do this faster and do that. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, what about selling? Yeah. They're like, no, no, don't worry about that shit. Fuck that shit. No, you got to get up. Got to get up. (laughs) (laughs) Only sell the tilt a world backbreaker. (laughs) Yeah. And and then it was the biggest difference down there. And I see guys here is, um, down there, the guys didn't wait so long outside the ring for the other guy to dive on them. I mean, Ugh. now you're looking at the you're looking at the guys outside and they're standing there eating a sandwich, yeah. staring at the guy in the ring, you know. And, and it, it's just you know, there's little detail stuff. The lucha guys down in Mexico. I mean, well, back then anyway, they 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 paid more attention to little stuff like that than the guys right. do now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I saw I saw one the other day. I don't know how old this was. Can't be too old, but it was a a group of about I want to say six or seven guys, and then there was a little midget that had climbed up like in the. I mean, it wasn't too high, ten foot tops, but like a little balcony thing, and they're literally standing there, like wobbling and looking at him for the longest amount of time. I really felt like, okay, they're doing this on purpose now, you know. <laughs> and the little midge dives, and I mean, it just—they all crumbled, all seven of them or whatever. And just, it's like, guys, just don't shit on the business. I get, you know, everybody wants to say evolution and all this kind of stuff. Just don't shit on it. Make it make sense, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> make it make sense. I mean, that should be intelligence. Cause that's the thing I've always said. Yeah, man, people know we're working or whatever, but don't insult their intelligence and at least still try to pull off the magic trick, man. Because I don't care what nobody says. You can still to this day, if you're, if you work them on one move or one, this or one, that, cause I, I can't tell you how many times someone has said to me, and this is like, you know, people that find out I wrestled and they're not really wrestling fans or whatever. And they'll say, yeah, I know what y'all do is fake. Of course they got to throw that in there. I know it's fake, but there was this one time me and my grandma was watching and so-and-so and so-and-so. Now they were mad. I can tell right, they were mad. Right. And I'll probably know the situation. And I'm thinking, no, they weren't. They just worked you. So it's, sure, it's exactly it, it can still be done. <laughs> I used to in the uh, in the in the in the beginning, I used to be like the ring uh, ring bell kid. I used to ring the bell and stuff. Mm. And um so I used to get to the ring. The match started at seven thirty. I was there by the by the ring at seven fifteen, and I'd sit there because I looked important. I'd sit there with the hammer in my hand, you know, and not doing shit, but I had the hammer in my hand, and you know, I felt like I I was important. But I would sit there and I could hear the front row guys behind me, you know, oh man, did you see old Wahoo man? Um, he was pissed off at you know Tank Patton, and yeah. did you see that chopped him? Did you see? And then there was always somebody. Oh, I, yeah, I saw him. Uh, I saw those two drinking beer at the at the bar. You know, <laughs> whatever, whatever. After the matches, and then you, you know, the other guy, 
yeah, but man, when they get in the ring, man, it, they all hell breaks loose. And then yeah. the other guy, yeah, but you know, it's not real, right? But hell, it ain't real. But I, 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 I saw, <laughs> right. you know, and I yeah. hear these conversations, you know, and it's like, you know, I'd laugh at them. And then I'd have people come to me and say, yeah, hey, yeah, wrestling's, wrestling's fake, right? And I'm like, no, man, it's, it's, um, it's real. You know, it's, it's, uh, no, it ain't. Or, or people would come up and say, Man, yeah, that that stuff's real, and I'm like, well, you know, oh, no, no, don't tell me it's not because I know <laughs> it. I saw. It. Yeah, so yeah. you could, you know, no matter what side you went, you were gonna, you were gonna get into an argument. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. never, I wasn't, I wasn't the guy that like I like uh like someone someone told Ken Tim something about wrestling being bullshit or whatever, and Ken Tim's was like, you know, you want to get in the ring and find out, and the guy's, oh no 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 no, and <laughs> and. Uh, so someone tried doing that same shit with me. Yeah, wrestling's bullshit. And I felt like saying, you want to get in the ring and find out? But with my luck, I'll get my ass kicked. And <laughs> 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 so I was like, you know, you think whatever you want, man. You think, you know, I didn't, you know, I just let it go. But right. you know, back in the day, that was the thing is, you know, oh, yeah, you want to get in the ring and find out? And then that would back off, guys, you know. Yeah, but I yeah. wasn't. I wasn't a big dude. I wasn't, I couldn't get it. I don't think I could get away with that. Even today, well, I, I'm older now, so, you know, someone's liable to take me up on that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So d- yeah. tell me some, uh, some of the guys you rode around with had to be some old school guys that threw some heavy ribs and stuff. Not necessarily maybe at you, but you got any good uh, road stories, ribs, anything like that? Man, when I was, when I was coming in, I mean, um, I was, um, Somewhere, I'm not sure really how, but somewhere I got the reputation as being the guy that you could rely on mm-hmm. to drive you around. So yeah. I can tell you this, there were a lot of guys that, you know, would get in the car coming home and, you know, every, 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 every trip was the same. The guys would get in the car and that was a great match or man, that, that match sucked or, you know, do you see that rat or did you know that rat, this, that rat, that, you know, so every, every time it was the same conversation. And then all of a sudden the car get quiet because again, this is the early eighties and, and the gimmicks were the thing yeah. and uh, guys were passing out in the car, man. And, yeah. you know, I mean, we didn't, back then we didn't have GPS. So in the beginning I would get, I would, Hey, do I turn here? Do I, where do I go? Hey, wake up, you know, and try and wake somebody up and they're like, blah, 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 blah. So I'd, I'd have to stop at a at a gas station, a truck stop, look at the road map, yeah, and then jump back in the car and stuff. Um, yeah. And it and then the, the the sad part about it is, like some of those guys, you know, later on, years later, you you know, you read about them on the internet stuff, yeah, and yeah, they passed away of an overdose or you know, and I'm yeah. like, fuck, you know, I knew that guy, you know, right. Mm. Hundred percent, man. Yeah, and and talking about reading an atlas, that's a lost art. <laughs> oh, so I had one of my one of my students. This is a, this is a true story, man. So he goes. Uh, so in the eighties, when y'all traveled, there wasn't GPS, right? I'm like, nope. So how did you guys get around? Well, we had these books. They're called atlases, or you get a map and you had to unfold it and, yeah. and uh, like. And right, it never so, folded back correctly. Never, never. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so this kid goes, so you have to read a map? Yes. How did the car move? And I'm like, what car? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you know how like, on the GPS, there's the car, right? The road is, uh, yeah, yeah. So how did the road move? How did the car move? 
Oh my I'm like, god! Are you fucking serious? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> How did the car? The, the guys today just don't know, man. They just don't yeah. know. No, yeah. no, they don't. Well, I mean, it's kind of like uh, the kids in cursive and and reading a clock and things like that. It's just they, they've not been shown it. Don't have to know it. And okay, <laughs> right. Yeah. Back then, it was if a if a promoter, you know, if you did a show or whatever, you you, you traveled with everybody. Uh, I'm not sure I was there anywhere else, but down here it was like, you know, we traveled together, and then it was a nickel a mile for trans. Whoever drove, we gave them, you know, we a calculator. Some guys, they're like living, breathing calculators, man. They knew exactly how much trans was, and yeah. you know, they was like, yeah, twenty five bucks, whatever. Um, but today, you you know you can tell a guy nickel a mile and you're like, what the fuck? That's no money. You know, and they'll try and, you know, guys say, we'll try and like, well, from here to Austin is, uh, it's going to be 75 bucks. It's only a 60 mile drive. What the fuck are you talking about? Man. Well, speaking of kids these days, one of the kids these days favorite, and you may say at the time that Wolfie was coming down there, you would have called him the American dragon, but now he's, <laughs> one of considered one of the all-time greats with with brian danielson i would love to hear your your talks about when you first met him so one of one of the first conversations that we had with brian was uh and it was brian kendrick and brian danielson they both stood right in front of me and sean wow and um they became friends right away they 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 didn't know each other, but one grew up in Spokane, um, sorry, Aberdeen, Washington, and the other kid, the other Brian, grew up in Olympia, Washington, which were like 100 miles apart or something. But they didn't know each other or anything like that. And when they got here, they realized they lived so close together. So they became friends like right away. But one, yeah. like the first day or so, Brian Kendrick is the one that comes up and goes, uh, I got a question to ask you guys. And uh, me and Sean were like, yeah, what's up, you know? And he said, um, Am I too small to wrestle? And uh, Brian Danielson was right next to him. Mm. And this, again, this was 1999. And I mean, both kids were 18 years old. They were like mm. five, uh, seven, five, eight, and 160 pounds. They weren't very big kids at all. Mm. And Sean looked at me and I was, and, you know, I'm uh, me. I was, when I started, I was five, eight, and 170 also. Mm. So I was like, I don't think so. And Sean said, no, not at all. And uh, so what happened with Brian Kendrick was he went somewhere paid the dressing school 2,500 bucks. And then after his first match, he trained for like six or seven weeks and then he had a match and then the promoter came up and said, you're too small kid. You'll never make it. And so kicked him out of the school. And so, uh, and then he ended up at Sean's. And so Brian Danielson was like concerned about that also. And what I was told him when I came into business, um, there was Kerry Von Eric who was like six, three, six, four and built like a, Rick Shithouse, and there was yeah. John Studd, there was Hulk Hogan, Lex Luger, yeah. and, uh, you know, so I was small, and I never became a big star or nothing, but somehow or another, I, I, I made my way through that stuff. So I told, I always told Brian and Brian Kendrick and Brian Danielson, man, just keep working, improve your work, work on your work, try and work the, as, be, you know, the, as, as, as best as you can, get around, don't let your size of shit stop you. Just do what you can do. Get as much knowledge. And they did. Brian Danielson would like, uh, he, he trained here. He was here for, um, so training here was Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. To, to noontime. Mm. And uh, 
so at 12, all the kids would leave, go do their thing. And Brian Kendrick and Brian Daniels would ask, can we stay longer? Can he help us with some stuff? And so we'd, you know, stay there till three or three o'clock or so and just roll around, <laughs> just do shit, just whatever, just anything. Yeah. And then, uh, I would have to leave cause my kids were in daycare and shit. So I had to go home and or go pick them up, whatever. And then we'd go back to the gym at seven o'clock at night and then train till like 10, 11, 12, one o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and then the guys would be back to the gym at nine in the morning. So Brian Danielson and Brian Kendrick, they just put work in, they worked, 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 worked. And it was, there was never anything like I can't, or, um, you know, this is too difficult. I mean, they were like sponges. Yeah. Uh, and then Brian Danielson ended up going to England and they weren't making no money. I mean, he wasn't making no money there, but he would live in the gym. Um, I always ask him, I mean, they, you know, they, they, they struggled, you know? And, uh, yeah. if you would have asked, Sean will say, ah, I knew it, but, <laughs> but if you would have asked, you know, on their first day, do you think this kid is going to be a big star one day? You know, I, they do, they were just a couple of kids trying to make it through, like, probably like, like, like me and you, man, just trying to make it through this deal, you know, and, you know, they had no clue what was ahead of them. You know, we had no clue what was going to happen to us either. Right. But, you know, yeah. I, I remember I talked to Sean and Sean was like, I knew it, man. I could see it in their eyes. I could, you know, <laughs> okay. Yeah, whatever. You know, I saw a couple of scared little boys, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, Brian's just, uh, I mean, I know he went to, so Brian was at Randy Couture's place and a guy, he was doing takedowns with a guy mm-hmm. and I guess they were doing like a little shoot deal. And so Brian kept taking this guy down and the rest of the gym was, you know, was watching and was ribbing the other guy. Mm-hmm. And so when Brian went for another takedown, the guy gave him an uppercut and busted his eye mm-hmm. and, uh, or cheekbone or something and knocked him out. And Brian mm-hmm. said he woke up in the hospital and, um, I mean, Brian's always, Brian Danielson's always learning. He's always trying to do stuff. He's always trying to, you know, improve. He's always, you know, and he's not the biggest guy. So, you know, I tell guys, like I just had a discussion with one of my students uh, today. Don't worry about how big you are, man. Don't worry about, you know, just go out there and work your ass off. Yeah. You, know, the fa- you, know, you you may hear guys, you you may hear other, other talent stuff. So other wrestlers say, you know, you gotta, uh, you gotta look like a wrestler. Well, what does a wrestler look like? Yeah. You know, I mean. Right. Uh, show me. I mean, I like you said. I grew up with big. Uh, what's the name? King Kong Bundy. Yeah. Is that a wrestler? Uh, big John Stud, Lex Luger, Chavo Guerrero, Rey Mysterio. Are those what? Are, those are all different shapes and sizes. So what does yeah. a wrestler look like? That's true. You know, go out there and bust your ass, and that's what Brian Daniels has always done. He's always been respectful. He's always. I mean, I I can't I can't think of a of a day when he was down here when it when we were like you know. I can't believe Brian did that, you know, or anything like that. It was, yeah. he was like, you know, a class act the whole time. Yeah. It's funny too. You was talking about, uh, how Sean would be, ah, I saw it the whole time, but yeah, I've been around so many of the, the guys that are, you know, top stars now that I, I honestly, there was none of them like, okay, Shelton, Benjamin, Randy Orton, the rock. I had one of the rocks very first matches when he came to Memphis and I, I've told this one a hundred times. It was terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I remember. I remember walking over to Jamie because it, it was it was Rock and and Brickhouse against me and Jamie, and we were doing our cyberpunk thing. And I ca- I called something with a hip toss on on Rock, and uh, instead of going up and taking the bump, he put one hand down, did like a cartwheel, and landed on his back. And 
I walked over to Jamie and I said, you said this was Rocky Johnson's son, right? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I go, okay. <laughs> and, then, and then Batista, you know, when I was in OVW, God, he was there. But thank God he was on my team in my little stable. But just like, man. And you, I guess you just have to say that they they uh, they learned. They picked up on it, obviously, and, uh, and did real well. But it, for me, uh, I mean – I always think that I could tell when I uh, taught any kind of class or I had my own school for a minute and, and things like that. I can usually tell right at the beginning if you're going to be able to get it or not. Uh, but as far as getting it to that next level, I don't think you can tell that really right off the bat. No, not at all. Like, like here's a good story for you guys. So um, we, the training was, we, you know, we, there's a block of instruction like, you know, headlocks and uh, arm drags and bumps and stuff, you know, basic shit. We don't, we never taught anybody anything crazy, just headlock, headlock takeovers, bumps, right. uh, you know, hip toss, you know, arm drags, uh, you know, figure four, you know, just simple shit. Right. And uh, so once they learn all that, then we put them in matches based on what they know how to do. And so uh, that day came, and so the day before we were going to do this, we told everybody, okay, this is all, you, you guys know all that we need. We want you guys to know tomorrow we're going to pair you guys up, and you guys are going to do your own matches. We're not going to help you with anything. You guys are going to call your own stuff, and, and we'll judge you from that. We'll help you along with that. Yeah. So the next day comes, the first, two mat, the first match goes on. Two guys go in there, and there's a total clusterfuck. A total cluster club. And me and Sean are like, my God, what are we, you know, what is this stuff? So, all right, you know, good match, guys. You know, you didn't do this, didn't do that, blah, 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 critique them, whatever. All right, next two. Next two guys come in. This guy fucks this guy up. This guy does this. He does that. Misses this. Misses that. Does the old, uh, throws the clothesline, and the other guy is, like, falling 10 feet before he even gets, cut, you know, before he gets Ugh. hit. And, you know, all right, uh, next match. So before uh, we started this, Brian and Brian Clunk are going to say, can you put us together? And um, I was like, sure. And uh, I, I mean, and I'm doing it because they're, they're best friends. I'm a, uh, they're, they're good friends. I'm assuming they're going to lay their shit in and they don't want to hurt anybody else. And they're, so I'm like, sure. Uh, and um, so the night before was Monday. Yeah, it was uh, Monday Nitro. So mm-hmm. I just happened, I always turn on the Monday Nitro to watch the cruiserweights. So mm-hmm. uh, one match that I, the mat, one of the matches I saw was Malenko and Chris Jericho. Mm. And bam, 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 great match. Bam, 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 bam. So now, <laughs> now here we are Tuesday morning. And um, so Brian and Brian get in the ring. And they just like, I mean, do their <laughs> thing. <laughs> that what? I said move for move. I feel like I know where this is going. <laughs> Did yes. they do the whole match? <laughs> so, yes. So then I'm watching, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, okay, here comes the hip toss. And then Dragon hip tosses Kendrick. Bam. And I'm like, well, and so, and I'm like, okay, Brian Kendrick's going to kick off Brian Danielson. So Brian Danielson goes to pick him up, and Brian Kendrick kicks him off. And I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> these, these, these guys saw the whole match. They saw the same match I saw. And they're redoing it. So then I start calling the spots out loud. Not not loud, but it's where Sean can hear. And I'm like, okay, here comes uh re, you know, here comes the clothesline into a crucifix. And then bam, bam, bam. Okay, he's gonna kick out at two, one, two, okay, now he's gonna do this. And Sean looks at me and goes, Did you help with this match? I said, Nope. <laughs> and he goes, How do you know what they're doing? And I'm like, just hold on. So they do their match, uh, finish it off, breathing hard, and I'm like, Come over here, guys. 
So they come and sit next to me, Sean. I'm like, uh, what did you guys do last night? And um, Brian Kendrick was like, um, watch, watch wrestling. And I like, did y'all see Nitro? And they both said, yep. They said, uh, Malenko and Jericho. And so Brian Dan says, how do you know? I go, I saw it too. And now you guys did the same exact match they did. And so Brian Kendrick was like, are we in trouble? And Sean's like, I didn't see anything. So I don't know what's going on. And so I, I, I thought it was great. And so they got a pass, man. They, they, they had a good match, but they copied it. But I mean, they were, they, you know, the stuff that they did. I mean, we didn't, we never taught anybody how to do crucifixes, you know, yeah. we didn't teach anybody yeah. how to do a, a backflip off the corner until later. Uh, yeah, back up off the corner and land on their feet. We never taught any of that stuff, but they were doing it. Yeah, that's funny. And they and they were doing it from watching it on TV. Yeah, I, I, now I would steal uh, a spot here and there, something I'd seen, you know. And then me and Jamie did a lot of. Uh, we took stuff from like the seventies and eighties. Sometimes, like Tennessee Tippy Toe was one of our favorite spots, and it was so old it was new again, and we also kind of added in our little uh take on it and things like that but i don't know that i've ever copied like a whole match uh <laughs> and and man you see guys that are you know contracted guys and they uh, and I, what cm punk and somebody did it where they were paying tribute to bret hart and somebody and like did the whole series of moves it was the ftr the- match they did. yeah and, and i'm sorry man i mean I, okay tribute fine whatever but i just i'm not, I don't think that's cool. I don't know. That's I've never seen. I've never seen Tyson versus whoever. Mike Tyson versus whoever uh, pay tribute to uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberta. Right. I mean, you know, <laughs> exactly. that, that doesn't, it's not. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. You know. You, I I believe in wrestling being. Um, I, so first of all, I am the first to admit wrestling is whatever it is. You know, if you yeah. want to say it's it's you know, bullshit. Okay. It's both. You're right. It's bullshit. But somehow or another, I have to make you believe while you're watching my match that this is legit. Right. And you know, and so you can't do that if you're like, okay, so look, there's a clip out there now that has, um, somebody's in the corner and, and I'm not, I'm not shit on the guy. I mean, I've, I've met him a couple times. Nice guy, but it's just a dumb spot. Mm -hmm. Um, what Eddie Kingston is chopping, uh, Cla- uh Claudio. Oh yeah, hey, I've seen that. That's horrible. And he's chop- he's chopping him. And he's chopping himself. Yeah, and I'm like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. A- you know, it's like, <laughs> come on, give me a break. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. And I swear to God, if that were me, I mean, I, I guess they might have talked about it or whatever, but I, I might have said okay back there, but I would have took about two of those. And and I c- obviously you know what it looks like pretty much while you're doing it. I swear I would have just went down or, or walked away selling or something. There's no way I would have stayed in there and took that. No way. Exactly. I mean, I was, I was always taught to protect the business and protecting the business is, is, um, you know, stuff you do in the ring, the stuff you do out of the ring, you know, protecting the business is protecting the business. So if you would have said, you know, Hey, Hey, Rudy, I got this cool thing I want to do. I want to give you chops, but I'm also going to chop myself so we can get a loud <laughs> pop. You know, and I'm like, no, dude, don't do that. Just chop yeah. the shit out of me. You know? Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, but right. you're not going to do 20 of them either. You're going to do maybe one and then I'll get the hell out of the way. You yeah. know, not even the first one looked worth the fuck. I mean, it did not look like it hurt. You know, it just it looked like he was just really just 
playing patty cake on his fucking chest or some shit. <laughs> and those guys supposedly have real life heat too. That's the other thing. So yeah. apparently they've always played that up. I don't know where it stems from. I'm not familiar as much with that era of guys and their storylines, especially on the indies and stuff. But yeah, apparently there's heat there, but unfortunately it didn't show <laughs> with that. Yeah. yeah. So like, like I tell, I tell, and that happens. I mean, I tell guys, that there are some situations where, you know, wrestler A does not legitimately does not like wrestler B. And the best example I give out is, is Sean and Britt. I mean, they had legitimate heat, um, with Sean making his sunny days comment and stuff like that. I mean, there was legitimate heat, mm-hmm. but they also had some great matches. Oh, and, and I think part of it is because they were just trying to outwork each other. Just, you know, you took a good bump. I'm going to take a better bump. You did. Yeah. You know, do yeah. It was the bull of the woods thing, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, Me- and, you know, no one, none of the fans are like, you know, Oh, that was Corey grabbed. That was no nah, man. Those guys went out there and, and worked their asses off, you know? Yeah. After after Bill Dundee pulled a knife on me in the dressing room and got fired, <laughs> and then when he came back and we worked a, an angle off of it and all that, uh, man, we beat the hell out of each other. But it it since that angle is like we we respected each other after that. We've been cool ever since. You know, there was a there was a match with Al Perez and a guy named Coco Samoa. Coco mm-hmm. Samoa was a he was a bad dude, man, and. Um, he was he was that uh, Samu the Wild Man in uh, Memphis? Um, I don't know. I think he kind of almost looked like Jimmy well. Snuka in a way. Are you talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and so they had a match on TV, and we're in the back watching it, and it looked, you know, you kind of know, you can kind of tell, um, as 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 being one of the boys, you kind of can tell when things aren't right, and so, yeah. you know, things just didn't seem right. And then uh, Al Perez pinned Coco out of nowhere, and uh, you know the match just looked weird. It had a different, it had a weird feeling to it. And so, as soon as as soon as Coco Samoa got pinned, he just rolled out of the ring, didn't sell nothing, just rolled out, came to the back. And so the way the dressing room was set up was it was one big room, but there were two separate doors on the right and a door on the left at the other end of the room. And so Coco comes to the back and he goes straight to his bag. So Alfred walks in. He's like, hey, what the fuck, man? And Coco Samoa bends over. And I have no idea what it was, what kind of gun it was. But he pulls out a pistol. Uh-huh. And he puts it to Alfred's head. He goes, you want to shoot mother? He goes, he goes um, you want to shoot motherfucker? We shoot. Oh. And the whole dressing room was like silent. Just. Yeah. And Alfred's like, calm down, man. Uh, <laughs> just calm down. Yeah. And uh, Coco put the gun back in his bag, walked out. Mm, that was the scariest thing I've ever, ever, ever experienced uh, with two, you know, with two wrestlers, with two of the boys. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like, holy shit. Yeah. Man. Crazy. Man. That's, I think Al Perez talks about it. And in, in he did it. Someone told me, someone asked me about it because they heard it on an interview he did uh-huh. somewhere. But uh, yeah, it, it really happened. Wow. Yeah, but that's a that's a good one to 
to call it quits for today on this because I try not to go over over an hour. So we kind of hit that or whatever, man. And you've got uh, you've got plenty of stories, man. We've said man. this to quite a few people. Um, you know, we, maybe we can bring you back for a part two sometime. That's why I like to to stick to like an hour because then I can bring you back at a later time and not uh, yeah, no problem. Anytime. Not blow the whole wad at once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Horrible reference, but I get it. I I was I was uh I was stoked to do this. Stoked. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, man. But uh Catch absolutely man, we, we appreciate you coming on, man. And, yeah, man, and, it uh, flew by. Flew yeah, by. it actually did, man. I was like, holy shit, I looked at the clock, I was like, damn, we've been going a while now. But uh yeah, man, we appreciate you coming on and and, and sharing some stories with us, man. Uh you've had a had a a storied career man you know you've been around a long time and i'm sure you got plenty more so been a lot of fun man. Been a lot of fun yeah, yeah. cool man thank um, you so much for coming on brother really means sure. a lot for, yeah but uh jimmy we are going to come back with ask wolfie d anything yes sir thanks guys <laughs> thank you hey thanks rudy all right dj hit the music All right, we are back with Ask Wolfie D Anything. And man, once again, Rudy Boy Gonzalez, he's one of those guys like Fidel, like, you know, so many of them that really you can just let him go, man, because yeah. his stories kind of blossom into other stories, too. It's right. really cool, man. Yeah. Very, very really, cool stuff, man. Really good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing I do want to put over about him is obviously his Texas Wrestling Academy. Y'all go check him out if you want to learn how to wrestle. He's definitely been part of training some of the very best as far as, you know, he's, he's I'm sure, worked with all kinds of great individuals. But look it up, Texas Wrestling Academy or Rudy Boy Gonzalez on your social media platform. Get in touch with him if you want to head down there and learn how to wrestle the right way. He's definitely one of the guys to train you to do that. If you have any questions, why I'm bringing him up is because he trained Brian Danielson. Well, partially <laughs> trained, but still. that That's as good a, a person on your resume as any. So yeah, anyway, yeah, check him out and, and definitely go support Rudy Boy where you can, man. He was a good dude and was glad to have him on the show. So, yeah. you know, we've got a few questions here to ask. I'm very excited. We got the very first question of the day is from our good buddy Ben Martin on Facebook, Ben Martin 88 on Twitter. He says, great show today as always. And he's talking about last episode. Okay. Uh-huh. And so he he says, great show today as always. And the Japan question made me think about something. Okay. So he says, most of the Memphis guys at that time were going to a promotion called Wing. Yeah. Which was the bastard child of FMW and known for horror movie gimmicks like Doug as Freddy Krueger. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. He says, so Slash would have been perfect for that, mm-hmm. you know, but let's just say PG 13 went there. Okay. Yeah. And let's just say you get there and they tell you to choose your own horror movie gimmick. Okay. <laughs> so what would you and Jamie have chosen as a tag uh, team? Mm, um, let's think. Um, yeah. Two boys from the hood. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Could we just be zombies or something? I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's PG-13. yeah. <laughs> Zombie PG thirteen would be cool. Vampire PG thirteen would be the cool. Boys. The Lost Boys, yeah, dude, take Gangrel with you, man. That would have been fun. Yeah. I'm trying to think, you know, like who was a. I mean, was there ever a, a, a tag team of, of killers? Like, I can't really. Uh, that's what I was trying to think. A double uh, gimmick there. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I either. Man. Or a movie that has that. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Well, you know, we did have the the Wing uh, titles. We we worked the Japanese guys that came over from Wing and beat them for supposedly the Wing titles. It really wasn't, yeah. but it was. You know, right. Do you think that would have been the promotion you would have been able to work? Is that the one Doug was talking to you about? Okay. Yeah. I think PG-13 Zombies is a good idea. That would have been cool. All I can come up with on that. I mean, you know, unless you want to do like, you know, like we said, the Lost Boys or some couple of Frankensteins or something. (laughs) I don't know. But, yeah, yeah, I think Zombies would have been the best. But, man, that would have been kind of cool to see that happen. you know, Big Bad Wolfie D and Jamie right. would be like Little Red Riding Hood, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been funny. <laughs> or Chucky or some shit. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Leprechaun. That's a good leprechaun. Huh? The Leprechaun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Jamie would have totally rocked it because think about it. He always had that hat on anyway, you know, <laughs> just make it a green hat, put him in a green yeah. suit. And he, and he oh. speaks Australian. <laughs> yeah, he speaks Australian already, fluent, you know, so... <laughs> oh man that's funny all right well thanks for the question ben that's a good one all right so the next one is from keenan brown on facebook and he he's always a good listener and always sharing this stuff and liking the stuff and he says you know he's talking about he heard the question y'all were talking about i think with baby doll he we were talking about the rick flair's last match right and you all Mm -hmm. met each other stuff yeah and he says if there was a last match promoted for pg-13 who are the opponents and who's on commentary and where is it Wow. Well, man, so many people have passed. You know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, shit. The last match would have to be somebody that can carry us. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I mean, I think rock and roll could still get down. Um, yeah. Rock and roll. Yeah. Um, maybe the Dudleys, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we're going. Yeah. I'm stuffing my face with French fries right now. Sorry, y'all. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Um, you'd have to do it in either Memphis, Nashville, or Louisville. Um, commentary, man, you know, Lance was not with us any longer. Corey's not, yeah. No, I'm Corey. You get Dave and Dean Hill. Dave and Dean Hill, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Randy, would he be part of the show somehow, too, somehow? I'm sure he would. Maybe managing y'all or something? I don't yeah. know. Maybe, you know. Yeah. Sounds like I mean, unless time. you would need to the services of Jimmy street sports agency, you know, but yeah, but, but I think Randy would make the better manager in this dream scenario here. And then, so I think personally, I think it needs to be in Nashville. Obviously I think that's the spot, you know, And then also on commentary, Dave Brown. I mean, you could have a, a litany of people. You'd have downtown Bruno. I mean, he would just dog Jamie the whole time. That would be kind of funny, you know. Or like Randy Hales could be on commentary with Dave Brown, you know, since he kind of does a good Lance Russell, you know. So, yeah. 
I don't know. There, there, there's some good thoughts there, but I think rock and roll is probably the team, man. You know, that, that's. I mean, it's sad to say, but I think they're better prepared than you all are. I know. <laughs> like, Ten years older than you too, but. <laughs> all good. <laughs> yeah, good for them, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. So, well, good question, Keenan. Thank you as always, brother. We'll talk to you soon. The next and final question on this here Rudy Boy Gonzalez episode is from Ryan Roberts on Facebook. And he asked this question He says, What are the top three modern day tag teams you would like to see PG 13 working an extended program with it? He offers up FTR. Ace and Bay. I think that's Ace Austin and Chris Bay, and I think they're in TNA. Or the Street Profits, which is a very talented tag team that carry around the Red Solo Cups. So, three interesting tag teams. FTR would work y'all to death, you know what I mean? I mean, they're yeah. probably all going to b- blow y'all up, you know? No, but, but, no question. Yeah. But we're saying we were in peak physical condition. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Peak. And, and to be honest with you, I'm I'm just gonna have to go with those, man, because I don't really know all the teams that are out there, man. I see stuff. Because here's the thing, man. On social media, unless you're just watching every show, uh, all you see is clips of right. like a move. You know, right. it's hard to tell who's really good. Okay, great, you did a cool move right there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like right. that's what I see is moves. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, exactly. So, you know, here's my, I'll say mine here since he didn't ask me, but you were, you were, you know, kind of saying those yeah. three. I think FTR would be great, but, you know, unfortunately the Briscoes would have been my yeah. top pick, of course. Also, I think the Motor City Machine Guns would be incredible because I do believe Alex Shelley said that they used to watch y'all's tapes, right? I'm pretty sure. So. Yeah, that's somebody. You said somebody at Slammiversary told you that they yeah, were. I think, so. I think we figured it out was Alex Shelley. So, yeah, I think the Motor City Machine Guns would be awesome. Of course, the Briscoes. I mean, FTR is going to give you all a good match, but it would be like PG-13 versus Arn and Tully. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's okay. a little it would be a little different of a pairing, you know, yeah. but. I mean, it's not to say y'all couldn't have worked the Brain Busters. That's not what I mean. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> different different yeah. kind of style and i know. apologize man when people ask these type of questions i just i don't have an honest answer because i just don't follow it like that where i can give a real educated answer you know sure yeah no problem but again you know that's just me throwing out some names but i liked his idea too the ace austin and chris bay are, are an interesting tag team they've come along in tna very very athletic tag team so anyway yeah great cool. question and we definitely appreciate that and that's all I have for today, man. Cool, man. Again, uh, thank you all for listening and thank Rudy Boy for coming on with us and sharing his uh, story with us. And uh, again, on, on you know, we, we try to keep it at about an hour and it seems like that's pretty good. We can have people back, you know, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that have such long stories, but um, uh, that was cool, man. I'm glad to glad to have uh, brought him on here, man. Glad we finally reached out to him. And definitely, uh, you know, yeah. next week should have another go. And we kind of been on a roll with some good guests lately. So 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, if you're t- who you've booked for next week, I'm stoked about. I don't know. If we want to let the cat out of the bag, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm excited about it. Let's wait till we record it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. If if it follows up, we've got a good one, y'all. So yeah. just come back and see us. So, but we thank we y'all. Do. There's so many podcasts yeah. out there that y'all can listen to, and that you choose ours is awesome. So we we thank yeah. y'all very much for that. So for sure, man, for sure. All right, guys, we will holler at you next week. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise, this team does it all, and all they ask is, Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, They can find me on Facebook. Uh, My personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cap for you, don't. He got a cap for you, don't. I got a cap for you, don't. And here we go, the original white boy, the 
came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause you spitting the truth, still lobbing in color, from Russia mother, utilize a hubcap, unlike any other, back in the day, I was N.O.D., and I was P to the G, plus the one and the three, in case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D, been cloned and copied so many times, title suckers taking credit for what is mine, you know who you are, without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip hop, been doing it like this since 92, Lay low for a while when you thought I was through, listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected, this shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected, mad skills, no faking, there is no one great, cause I'm bringing more folks and over one for later, not here to play games, so you better beware, you don't like me, so what, I really don't care, Time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You suck a step to the side unless you want to get dropped. When my finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. Gonna wind it up, then I'm driving it home. It's Ruby D, baby. Huh? I got a cap for your dome. You got a cap for your dome. You got a cap for your dome. You got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.